Hey everyone, welcome back to the 10th episode of the Millennial Investor Podcast. Considering we're the 10th episode, I do have a really special episode for all the listeners and it's definitely going to help your investment journey in today's economic environment. We're going to be discussing how to plan finances with the growing potential of inflation. I really think this is a vital topic considering how many people have invested without taking into account for inflation for many many years now. And I definitely think that's something that's going to change. With us today we have Mr. Dan Ryan. Uh I hope you're doing good today Dan. I am. Thanks for having me. It's amazing to have you here as well. And for those of you who don't know, Dan is the managing partner of Sincere's advisory and he was even recently included in Investopedia's top 100 most influential financial advisors for 2021. And I think the topic that we're discussing today is of utmost importance, especially in today's world. But I'd like to start off with you telling us about what you do and how it relates to people planning their finances. Sure. Uh I am a financial planner, I'm a CFP, um and I work mostly with individuals. Um most of my clients are in their 30s and 40s, um in their prime accumulation years of the world, and um we provide holistic financial planning, everything from uh estate planning, tax planning, and of course investing is the crux of everything. Oh. It's nice to hear so you definitely have a lot of experience with financial planning and managing uh inflation. So with the subject like inflation that's basically been non-existent since 2008 like we were speaking about before, it's definitely a big step for individuals, retail investors and even households. Do you know shift their investments and investing habits in a way where this still is real growth as such not just nominal growth so the first question i'd like to ask you to start off would be we know that because of the extremely low interest rates the two big stimulus bills and even things like you know the rise in oil prices the chip shortage it has caused inflation to jump but as of today would you say this is something short lived or something more long term that people are going to have to learn how to live with um there will be inflation in our lifetimes for sure uh i am still kind of taking the same stance as the fed that that the recent inflation we've seen might be more transitory um in that regard um you know if you look at the main numbers a big piece of that was in automobiles especially used autos mm-hmm. um and you know was a logical extension of some a year of pent up demand that people had that's not to say that there might be more inflation on the tail of that but if there is a prolonged inflation it's likely to be sustained by wage growth yeah 100% i think i mean the main reason i was asking this was because there's so much information on both sides of this you know an article i just read this morning on wall street journal it spoke about like economists uh, economists describing sort of like a generational shift from two decades of like relatively low inflation and this they said that this is just going to keep continuing unless the fed increases interest rates in the near future and to be honest i don't see that happening until at least the second half of 2022 but you know like you said i also feel like the values are a bit exaggerated because one thing they also have taken account is that as soon as covid happened like there was a very big collapse in demand right so right after that when the prices did rise they just went back to normal so it may seem that it was a big rise as of last year but i also remember reading a statistic that 
from two years ago, overall prices have just risen by 2.5%. So that's also something, you know, we have to keep in mind when we're analyzing inflation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, I think especially for, you know, kind of the millennial contingent, what may be lost in them is, well, inflation was not that high this time a year ago. Um, wage growth was finally starting to take hold. And, you know, if we were sitting at the beginning of 2020, we were expecting interest rate rises in the much nearer term. Obviously, the world changed drastically as we know it, and, and that pushed those, those raises out. But um, I, I think now we're finally starting to find ourselves back at a point where there are interest rate rises on the, on the horizon. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I was saying, there is so much information on like what inflation is going to be like. There was another article which was basically comparing this period to the 60s and 70s which like was the groundwork for the breakaway inflation for the US after. So there's a lot of information around it. I think people need a more conclusive answer to like position themselves in terms of investments for this. Yeah, I, and I'll, I'll add, I mean, in the seventies when we had that kind of breakaway hyperinflation, uh, interest rates were at a different, very different point too. Yeah. Then. Yeah. They were you know, in the, the low double digits. Um, yeah. And so from a, from a company standpoint, that's very different. Um, you know, it, it, it increases the cost of debt and, uh, and, and makes growth perspectives harder. Yeah, 100%. So on to the second question. Considering the U.S. debt level, you know, it's recently reached, I think, 129% of their GDP for the first time since World War II. This is a 13% growth um, this year due to obviously the fiscal stimulus provided by the government. So my question is, how much can the Fed really control the inflation? Because, you know, the increasing interest rates, they'll in turn increase how much the government has to pay interest on this debt. So what are your views on debt impacting how much inflation can be controlled? From a standpoint of how much rates can go up, we are, by all accounts, on a pretty heating economy. You know, it's, it's very different from maybe those, you know, those you learned about it in economics classes, the stagflation periods where economic growth was slowing. By all accounts, all economic indicators are that our economy is doing pretty well and that it can sustain some, some interest rate growth, growth. And, you know, we've been in a very low tax regime that has compounded on that debt. And by all accounts, there's some expectations that we will be ex exiting that and uh, going into a period of higher tax rates, too, that will, will help the government with servicing some of that debt. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel it's obviously easier, you know, looking at it from hindsight. But, but like when you do see the charts, it's almost like you wonder why didn't the government do something about this before COVID? Like the debt was still high before COVID. You know, I think it was at 109% before and it was growing at a really alarming rate. So it's just something to think about when you're just analyzing the graphs. Yeah. So my third question to you is something you're 100% specialized in. For someone who is so used to investing and performing financial planning at a time that's basically had minimal inflation, what do you feel are the ways they should cope with the upcoming high levels of inflation? Because when we're really talking about household income and you know the aspect of real household income and purchasing power, that will really be squeezed in such an environment. Even if inflation is short-lived, the fact that it's gonna to go to such a high level for that short period of time it still does impact their purchasing power. 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, inflation is a real risk in your life. In the periods of your life, it will be a, a bigger risk than in other periods of your life. For people that are in kind of that pre-retirement period or even retirees, uh, inflation is maybe one of their biggest risks in the world. When, when many of their earning years are behind them, um, they're on a more fixed income and uh, their purchasing power can be really eroded by, by spikes in inflation and they're relying on a pension or, or even just a fixed income portfolio to provide a lot of, a lot of their, their sources of income, then uh, they have to be very cognizant of inflation. And there are people that are you know looking to things like, do I buy tips, treasury inflation protected securities, uh, just to have something that paces with it, what, what can I do? Um, on the flip side, for people who are millennials, uh, they have this big other asset on their balance sheet that they often leave off, and that's their human capital. And with most of their working years ahead of them, one thing that tends to keep up incredibly well with inflation over long periods is wages. And so they will have the ability to sustain uh, periods of inflation. You know, obviously there will be shocks and and people experienced it this summer with uh, they can't buy it. They have to buy a used car for more than it would have gone for new. Um, and, and those have life effects, but, but they're sustainable. Yeah. hundred percent. I think, I think every single time there's been a really high amount of inflation, it's completely eroded savings. Everyone who's just saved up and like, hasn't earned actual income, which adjusts for inflation. They've really been affected a lot because they have nothing else to like adjust for the higher amount of inflation, right? I mean, there was a statistic where like, if you go to a grocery store between, I think it was 1970 and 1990, you'd probably spend double the amount instead of hot, like things you can get for a hundred dollars, you'd spend $200 on that. And for say your clients who are in that age, the pre-retirement age and for any listener who's in that age category, one thing they have to keep in mind is, you know, they have, they cannot just rely on their savings because of the amount it gets eroded by inflation. Yeah. Yeah. And we're coming off of a, I say once in a generation saving event of 2020 um, that people's cash accounts were accumulating like they've never experienced before because they frankly couldn't do anything. And now they're basically experiencing two years of price growth at once while they're starting to exit their homes for the first time in a long time. Yeah, this liquidity has brought, I think it's brought about one of the most interesting stock market and investment activities. So I'd like, to, I'd like to focus my last question towards that aspect. You know, with assets rising far above the intrinsic value today, a lot to do with the liquidity that investors have. We see everything's price is also becoming slightly inflated in the assets category. You know, this can be equity, this can be real estate. To an extent, even alternate assets, such as NFTs, which have absolutely outrageous prices today. We can see inflation creeping in this area instead of just uh, customer goods. So would you say that as of today, it's almost, it's almost a dangerous time to make a new investment in today's inflated economy? Um, I think it is a very dangerous time to make uh, broad investments without a lot of thought into them. And, and if you, you, know, you have genuine inflation concerns, then you know being very broad based in in your investments might not make a lot of sense. Um, to your point about valuations, I mean growth stocks 
at you know large tech companies at incredible valuations that are based on a stream of future cash flows that will be worth less if yeah. there's high inflation. Um, but on the flip side, there's a lot of sectors that do have a lot of pricing power, right? Uh, you know, consumer staples, financial companies, um, to some extent, materials and industrials. Yeah. You know, the boring stuff that people yeah. haven't been investing in for the past year. Uh, the traditional kind of value stocks that that um, maybe haven't kept up with the broad market, but but do have pricing power. Yeah, I think stock valuations today is so centric around discounted cash flows and future cash flows for a company that any spike in inflation, and if there is a small chance as long-term, it can absolutely crush the valuation of the company because of how much it will be discounted. So I 100% agree that it is a very dangerous time if you don't make the absolute best research possible with your investments. Sure, absolutely. Um, so, and yeah, please go ahead. No, I was, uh, you know, not to make any call outs, but, you know, a company whose future cash flows are a huge piece of it is, for example, Tesla, you know, which has been everybody's sweetheart in the past year, uh, but but uh, is is counting on a lot of future cash flows in that regard. Yeah, I was just going to give Tesla example as well. I think that's, that's the pitch perfect example for this. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, to, to end everything off, what, if you had to give one piece of advice, you know, to say um, pre-retirement people or millennials before they're investing or before their financial planning, what would that be in today's time? Uh, sit down and, and create a plan, right? Uh, plan. I'm a big proponent of a plan is better than an absence of a plan. And you're coming off of a year where uh, nothing went according to plan. Yeah. So... So sit down and regroup and say, okay, I've made it through this. Um, and this, this is my three-year, my five-year outlook. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be saving this. I'm going to be investing in this way. Uh, I'm going to put my, my financial plan back on a track. Um, and, and I'm going to give myself some credit for what I did in the past year, not be too hard on myself and, and not consider myself too far off my goals if, if, um, you know, if my spending is going to increase this summer. Yeah, that is, I think, one of the most important things. Investing psychology, the more I read on it, the more I understand the importance it plays. Even something, like you said right now, not being too hard on yourself. I think there's a there's a bias called the, the sunk cost trap in which basically if you're too hard on your loss-making investments, you actually put more into that share of security in an attempt to recoup your loss. But at that moment, the investor, he or she doesn't understand that they should really be getting out of the investment and the sooner the better in a falling stock. So, but I think inflation probably today, it's, it's possibly one of the biggest concerns for household and even retail investors to take into account. I would, you know, strongly like to emphasize the importance of especially creating a plan. Like you said, I mean, every single host who's come onto this podcast, even when we're speaking about cryptocurrencies has said, you have to make a plan for whatever you invest in, you know, that is of utmost importance. And I genuinely think that it's vital if you want your money to grow and really improve your purchasing power in the coming years, because we never know how inflation is going to be. Um, With that, I think we've come to the conclusion of today's episode. I'm certain that if investors are first off aware that inflation is present and can hurt their savings and even follow strategies that you have mentioned, 
they will be much better off and will really be able to contract the effects that inflation has on honestly all of us as customers. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. All right everyone, this is all for the 10th episode. I really hope you enjoyed and got thorough insights on financial planning with the potential of inflation. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and please do leave a review and follow us on Instagram at the.millennialinvestor if you like what you're listening to. But for now, see you guys next time and have a great rest of your day. Thank you.